It's basically this guy, Saint Genesius. He, yeah, he's this Roman actor and like in charge in charge of a, an acting group or a troupe. And when, uh, when is when is this? This was like the three hundreds somewhere okay. around there, AD. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's doing this comedy act. It's basically he, he was a pagan, so he's. The comedy act is actually specifically making fun of Christianity. Okay, classic. Yeah, so he's doing a yeah. skit, basically, making fun of, I think it was baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, midway through the skit, uh, and this is in front of an emperor, this is in front of a pagan emperor, Diocletian, like one of the worst persecuted Christians. Oh, so he Christians. was gonna, okay. So they're, they're doing this, this mocking uh, act for about Christianity, and midway through the performance, he like has this moment, I guess, where like the spirit of God just touched him, yeah. And he suddenly converted. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know how this happened concretely, like what happened or what he started doing. But he made it clear suddenly he was like done making fun of it, and he started yeah. like. So he wasn't acting anymore. He wasn't acting anymore. He just started. <laughs> Let's go. He started like just proclaiming the truth, I guess, all of a sudden. What? So I don't know what so, that one's been like to watch, but. What, wait. So then, this is Diocletian, right? <laughs> this is one of the, like like the great, him. the great persecution, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Diocletian, you know, off with his head, like. Oh immediately immediately but yeah pretty much i, I don't know if <laughs> he got killed during the like straight at, to at the end of blood the, of the <laughs> yeah, i know yeah, yeah. i know so it's, it's kind of a nuts story baptism by blood yeah let's go nice patron saint of actors and, and comedians so God. that's fantastic pretty based let's get it so if you're ever i guess like even those comedians that you know they're in the wrong it's all right you know stuff happens maybe like, a random conversion exactly yeah, you never know i mean during a stand-up act they just, <clears> that's <laughs> right that's right well like you're seeing actors uh and like people who are more coming into the faith or either they they weren't Bro, before yes uh like shia labeouf is like shia the LaBeouf. biggest shia example let's tell shia labeouf you heard of him yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yes he's fantastic well, he's, he, he's he does his late show a pundit right yeah pundit exactly and you know a lot of a lot for a long time he's he's kind of an equal opportunity offender like kind of makes fun of a lot of different sure, sides but sure. it's clear he's yeah. had kind of some left-leaning views but recently he started um pointing out more of the absurdity in, in a lot of kind of the woke mob yeah and it's, it's been mm-hmm. really interesting to see you should watch some, huh. of his, some of his clips but yeah yeah well i think that just goes to show that like god is never done with us yeah. um and then and we can never we can never really fully run away with what his plan for us is yeah um even if we either one think we're too broken for it or yeah. if we're just like us or think we're god. too good for it and try to make fun of it exactly yeah yeah, yeah the god yeah. all all is for his glory even if yeah even if we try to twist so it yeah. and he's giving us uh as much time or, or as much time as he possibly can for us to undergo that conversion and really for him to be able to to really to save us Absolutely. ultimately yeah yeah, yeah. So, welcome uh, to All Good in the Brotherhood podcast. I am Brother Francisco, and joining me, welcome back, by the way, thank from Cali. You, thank you, It's been a while. Nate uh, Whitaker. Nate. Uh, we were joined by Tom the last two episodes, because Nate was, uh, he wasn't MIA, but just uh, mi- MIM, missing in the moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, but not just Nate is with us today, but we actually have our first... Uh, non-family member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess official guest, uh, non-replacement guest. Exactly. Uh, with That's us right. today... Uh, Seminarian from Pittsburgh, Chris Baker. Chris, welcome. It is I. It is I. You can find me on my AIM screen name, cback 3 r 12 So what? hit me up on that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what, did, what did you just say? <laughs> You'll know. You'll know one day. Okay, okay. Yeah, so uh, Chris and I um, are both in <laughs> seminary together. Chris studies at St. Vincent. Um, yep. I'm obviously a monk there full-time, but I'm in seminary. We run a seminary. We uh, for diocesan and monks, which is it's a really cool experience um, that, to blend the two together. Uh, so Chris uh, came for the first year this last year, and we were classmates actually, uh, and we're just today. For now, well, yeah. So <clears throat> they're reining him back for pastoral right. year That's uh, right. to see if More he's experience. worth it. Yeah. Uh, so we all actually just, just yesterday 
uh, were up at a priestly ordination yeah. in Erie. Uh, two new priests, Father Chris Barron and Father Corey Pius, were just ordained last night. Both total chads. Praise God. Chads. Total chads. <laughs> Giga chads. Yeah, so, exactly. Ooh, I like that one, Giga Chad. Yeah, you never yeah. heard that? No. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. No. I'm not... You bring all the lingo back with <laughs> yeah, you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, you don't have to say you're sorry. Yeah. I just, I'm like six months behind. No, I know. All right, I'm not sorry anymore. So, it's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knows it too. I mean, apparently, I, I always just, I, I got to forget it. You're in a monastery. I got to remember that. They, like, you know, in a monastery, you know, yeah. you're surrounded by a bunch of old monks. So you, lit is still like the big thing. Right. You're, you're still amazing. way back with okay. lit. And Barnabas like, is still trying to make lit happen. Stop trying to that make was like it happen. That was like 2015. Barnabas just got in, introduced to no cap. So. Did he? Oh, no. Yeah, Are yeah, you serious? Yeah, no yeah, cap. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it was just, it was beautiful <laughs> mass, um, the ordination itself. And then Chris and I got to serve. Father Chris Barron's uh, first mass this morning. Yeah. His first mass. That's, that's yeah. dope. Yeah. And he said there was Chick-fil-A afterwards, right? Yeah. So, you know, the Lord is real. Like, very <laughs> the, the spirit moves, man. When, yeah. when you get the, you get to go to mass and then you get to go to Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's, that's just that is so much the bread spiritual. bread from heaven and the chicken from heaven. Exactly. Like, so true. <sighs> I know. Well, and Father so Dan, Father Dan Hoffman gave the homily for Chris's mass. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about how heaven, it, uh, or mass is the, the greatest experience of heaven we can have on earth, right? It's, the, it's a little slice of heaven. And we went to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, well, this is like after the Eucharist. This is this, the second. This is the next slice of <laughs> yeah. heaven is Chick-fil-A. You know? That's so, absolutely true. I prefer heaven. Yeah. That's, I prefer was, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> so um, true. But... Yeah. There uh, will be Chick-fil-A in heaven. Oh, absolutely. And as St. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hildegard of Bingen says, there will also be lakes of beer. So, Yo! That's where it's at. She would know. She is holy. Yes. Yeah, and a, a freaking mystic. Like, she was yeah. a mystic. So she saw things. She saw what heaven looked like. She exactly. saw things. Yes. <laughs> she knew things. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just like, uh, it was great to see these two guys really yeah. um, fully come into their vocation, embrace what God has called them to. Right. Um and after, you know, for both of them, very different paths. Um, and their vocations, while they're called to the same ministry, their vocations are still very different. And right. vocation, in general, is still unique to the individual person. So it just means so. they're calling. And God's going to call each person in a slightly different way. Or the, it, like, like you said, the same ministry, but it's going to have nuances by their temperament and by what he's calling them to do for, for all the people that they're going to reach out to. So just throw out the question for you guys. What... What does discernment then mean to you? What What is vocational discernment? What, How does one do it? What does it mean? Uh, Chris, do you want to start? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> so I would say vocational discernment means something different to me now than it did maybe when I started this journey, um, <clears throat> when I was in high school, or even, yeah, like I said, within the last, I've been in seminary for three full years now, and so it, it continues to take on a new nuance, but... Um, as we're sitting here having this conversation, it, it feels a lot to me like the way that the Lord wants to use you to save others, more souls, hmm. the way the Lord wants to use you as an individual to reveal his glory. Um, and, and obviously that takes some solidified forms in various people's lives, whether it be to the married life, to the single consecrated life, to mm-hmm. the ordained life. Um, and, and things like that, but but I really think it it is about how you most greatly reflect the the goodness of the Lord. Yeah, Nate. Do you have a yeah. Um, what's what's your discernment like? What's what does discernment mean for you? Because Chris and I are both like in our we're pursuit. Steeped, right. Yeah. We're I'm not, steeped in tradition. I'm right not now. as advanced right now as both of you guys because you're both already <laughs> leveled up well yet. on your way. Yeah, I haven't up. leveled up in any way. Get with um, the program. <laughs> well, I think one important thing that 
to keep in mind is that discernment has to be an active thing. Because you often hear, especially in the Catholic world, like, oh, someone says discerning, or, oh, are you discerning? And like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of discerning right now. Yeah. People just throw this word around. It's kind buzzword. of a word. It's a buzzword, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And buzzword. it's kind of a, a vague buzzword. Like, it's not For always sure. clear what someone means when they say it. But I think it's really important that when we talk about discernment, it has to be something active. Because um, if you're saying, oh, I'm discerning priesthood, but you're not living your life in any way that's setting up for you to be a good priest, or if you're discerning marriage, but you're not living in any way that would make you a good husband or father, you're not truly discerning. Yeah. So it seems like discerning to me would mean um, basically orient your, orienting your life in such a way that you're going along with what Chris said, you're going to become the man or woman that's going to save as many souls as, as, as you can in, in the ministry that God's calling you to. Um, and so I guess I'm saying that's active because it seems like, uh, for example, with priesthood, if you're really discerning priesthood, that means visiting some seminaries, getting to know, you know, people who are working in that ministry and, and finding out what they do concretely and not just kind of abstractly praying about it. Yeah. In my own experience, um, in that regard, it's, it's kind of limited just because, you know, you can't just visit a bunch of monasteries or, um, try out a bunch of different uh, marriages while you're <laughs> while you're in college. You can't try out a bunch of marriages regardless if you're in college. I mean, right? can't do I mean, it. Yeah, so true, so true. <laughs> um, but the, the point is, is like, I've gotten to do a little bit, like last summer, I got to yeah. visit your monastery and kind of mm-hmm. check it out, see what you guys do for just a few days and kind of live the life of, of the monastery for, for a few days, just see what that's like. So I'm um, going to try to do more of that coming out of college. Uh like checking out some some other orders and just we'll, we'll see yeah yep, but, for sure but nothing no no like concrete plans for me yet but yeah that's good and just to speak real quick to something you said about being active i think that was that was the first thing that i like had to come to a realization when i was i was that quote unquote discerner right um and i heard a talk by jason everett at a seek conference back in 2017 which is really where god just kind of like opened me up to the yeah. reality of a monastic vocation but he said, like, you can't passively discern God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. And he said a lot of people, especially people in college, are like, well, I have this vision for my future. I have what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm open to whatever God wants. But if he doesn't, like, tell me completely otherwise, I'll just assume this is what he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll know that's God's will. And he's like, maybe, maybe what you're doing is what he wants you to do. But have you let him confirm that for you? Mm-hmm. Um, or otherwise, like, you might just be trooping along thinking like all is great and dandy yeah. when something completely different and better right. uh, is waiting for you. Um, and I think that's that's the next thing about discernment, about vocation that I really try to encourage people to understand is is God's call for you is not boring. It is not. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot, you cannot envision something better than God has already envisioned for you. Yeah. Um, I think especially like people who want to be like maybe doctors uh, or scientists or go out to big places or to be athletes, movie yeah. stars, whatever, like they're focused on something that like will, it seems like an exciting life, right? Yeah. And how, how could being a monk stuck in a monastery or a priest assigned to some boon parish yeah. um, or, or, or a mom who has to stay at home, you know, with her five kids, like yeah. how could that be any more exciting right. than what I have? Yeah. Um, Dude, you're, yeah, you saying these things uh, reminds me of a phrase I've heard enough monks say, uh, join the monastery, see the world. So, I'm sure you can It's so accurate. That. Yeah. I mean, I went to Rome last summer or last year and going to Portugal in a couple of months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't have been able to do those things really, yeah. or at least as easily if you weren't a monk. 
And I, th- I think it's just going off what you're both saying. This is really true and important to recognize that the vocation God calls you to, it's not going to be something that hurts you or mm. really goes against what you truly want, but it's really the fulfillment of what you really want. Because, mm. um, not to bring in too much Aristotle, but like this oh, is... bring it in, man. Okay, this is the, all right. This is the podcast for podcasts. So true, so true. One of like Aristotle's big points in you know his, his book about ethics and the moral life, uh, which is just called The Ethics, um, <laughs> is uh, it basically kind of the first principle he starts with is all men... They desire happiness. Like that, that that's kind of the goal of human life. Everything we do is striving for happiness. So another way like of saying that is everything we want is happiness. Yeah. And sometimes, um, well, I guess it's important to realize that that's also exactly what God wants for us. God mm. wants our lasting happiness and our full happiness. Yeah. So I think sometimes uh, we can be tempted to pit what we want against what God wants. Like, oh, well, you know, I want to go get married so that I can be happy. But it seems like God wants me to be a priest. But really what it is is you're both ultimately wanting the same thing you want to be happy forever god wants you to be happy forever it's just he actually knows the way for you to get there you don't we we don't always know what's best for ourselves so he knows the route to actually get to what we genuinely want yeah Yeah. a couple things that come to mind when you're when you're saying that is and, and i think a common pitfall that a lot of us fall into we want to be happy immediately and we're very satisfied being happy for a very short amount of time Hmm. yeah um god wants us to be happy eternally, endlessly happy, endlessly fulfilled and joyful. And it reminds me of uh, the the mother of five, maybe, that you're referencing Mm -hmm. that's almost enclosed to her cloister of home. Um, This book we read for Silent Retreat, it's called um, Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. And in that, he talks about Therese of Lisieux and how he visited her Carmel that she was enclosed to. And he expected it to be this huge, wide open space that's just like, Uh, sunbeams shining and and it's just like something that would capture your heart in an instant and he found it to be this tight space cramped like what is this why am i here how could anybody live here and get out but but therese wrote of it like it revealed in therese's heart that with the love of god it breaks open walls Mm. and like makes any space a space where love can abound right yeah and just Full happiness, yes. even in the context of, like you said, that kind of narrow. So they, they do call the cell, you know, that they live in. Like it's it's almost not quite a prison cell, but the narrow confines of that convent. She was so happy. Yeah. Well, so I think yeah, definitely where we think happiness is, where versus God, that that's one tension discernment. I think for on the other side, the, the more scrupulous people tend to be like, well, I don't deserve. Um, that happiness anymore. Like I've screwed up too much. I've done these things. Like I'm no longer worthy of God's call for me, or I, yeah. I can't get there anymore. I've I've dropped the boat too many times, mm. um, and I'm too broken to get there. Or or the other, even if they believe, well, maybe I can get there. Is I have to fix myself so much before I possibly can start getting to a discernment yeah. process. Or God can call me, but He, I have to get holy so much myself, and then maybe He can start calling me. Right. Um, and I just speak to, into that personally. Um, after I really felt God call me to be a priest uh, and then to be a monk, um, I was like, all gun ho. <laughs> and then I went into the summer. I was like, try not to tell what people, but it kind of came out. I was like, oh, you know, I'm so excited, whatever. And then that following semester was my junior year, which for right. any of you who heard like the last episode, Tom and I talked about kind of the, the crap that went down there and a lot of uh, just bad decisions I made, that, but also just rooted in a lot of like, deep insecurity and like anxiety and depression and stuff uh 
that when all of that was done and I finally kind of came out of it and felt better about myself and was healing, I really started to question like, can God even, can God even use me anymore? Like, mm-hmm. is this possible? And that was a struggle I had to talk with my spiritual director for a long time is that it, God, God does not call us only when we're saints. He calls mm-hmm. us to be saints, not as saints. Right. Um, and that like, in some ways, the more broken we are, the more God can fix us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not not to encourage you to go out and you know shatter your life, but that by no means. Uh, but absolutely, like you know, if if we think that that we cannot be formed by God, then then we're then we're still missing out on on the happiness that God can give us. No, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's just really important to keep in mind that the extent of God's power of acting through us isn't limited by the extent of our brokenness, because. Like, we're, we know that we're all broken vessels, right? As humans, we're all um, subject to the human condition of sinfulness and, you know, depression, anxiety, and all these all these wounds that do bring us down. But those, not not only are those not an impediment uh, to God working through us, but sometimes they can, they can be blessings in disguise that allow us to, like, more fully bring His grace to other people. Because, yeah. for example, because you had that really bad experience in your junior year, you're now able, like when you become a priest, you'll be more able to to reach out to people who are also struggling because mm-hmm. it won't just be from like a, a like a high and mighty place, but from from the position of one who's also experienced suffering. Yeah, I don't know. absolutely. Yeah, that's very Christ-like too because he has come, he has stepped down from heaven into human flesh and really truly understands us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, yeah, he he can understand our pain and our. I mean, our shortcomings in a certain experiential way. Um, two things I wanted to mention that I thought really cool. Um, your What you were referencing before, uh, Francisco, um, a lot of it has to do with our identity. I think when we fail and fall, we think we're failures and, mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we are broken people, but that's not our innermost identity. Mm-hmm. Our innermost identity, <clears throat> excuse me, is beloved, yep. is beloved. Yeah. We are beloved. And that's like, a big thing that Father Tom has tried to help yeah. me see in, yeah, in spiritual yeah. direction. Um, and if, if I can remember that when I sin, sure, like I'm, I'm frustrated for a moment or whatever, and I, I find myself a little off track to remember, but that doesn't define who I am. That's mm-hmm. not who I am, and that's yeah. not who the Father sees me as. Right. So so let me pump the brakes. I, I haven't lost any of his love, and, and I haven't royally screwed this up as much yeah. as I, I think maybe I, I have. But to speak to another point that you, you were hearkening on a little bit, to discern vocation, we need to put ourselves in a situation that is cohesive to us to be able to hear his voice. Yeah. Before I started really authentically discerning my vocation to the priesthood, there were a lot of distractions that I regularly held on to in my life. And it was funny. Once I found a men's group, a local community of men who I could come together and read the scriptures with really, um, then I started to just let go of, of these things because my time was more consumed with like the Lord. <laughs> and so his voice just became so much more clear. Yeah, I was just absolutely. like, well, why didn't you just say so? Yeah. Yeah, 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 he was like, yeah. well, bro, I've been trying, you know? And yeah, I'm like, exactly. cool, now I can, now we can have this dialogue. You right. know, so. Yeah, and I, no, a uh, quote that just, I find more and more applicable every day of my life is from St. Ignatius of Loyola, which is, um, act as if, if everything depends on you, but pray as if everything depends on God. Mm-hmm. And so if we really are acting, moving towards a, like to know his will or 
to live a good, holy life, that as we begin to do that, then he he is really showing us and we can hear what he's calling us to. Mm -hmm. Um, So while we don't have to wait to put ourselves together before we present ourselves to God, we still also do need to begin to put ourselves back together. We can't just wait and be like, well, God, fix me. He's still asking us, well, you have to desire it too. Um, And just real quick before we go, Nate, um, an image just about brokenness in general that has been really powerful for me is just in the idea of confession that, um, you know, beat ourselves up mainly for sins that we go back to confession over and over and over and over again. And just be like, oh, you know, I have to just go back. I'm, you know, a broken vessel that God has to, you know, go into confession. He puts back together and then sends me out and I come back and shatter it. And a priest just told me, he's like, you got to stop thinking like that. It's not that he puts your pieces back together. He creates you wholly new. You are not even the same species that you were when you walked in before. Mm-hmm. Like you're an entirely new creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we, if our shame or regret keeps us from discerning a vocation, know that all you got to do is run the confessional, and when you emerge, you're a whole new creation, and nothing from before can affect what God calls you to. I really like that. Wow. So with that idea, then you are continually making progress as long as you're still seeking out the love of the Father. It's, it's not like you're just resetting every time, like, yeah. oh, one step forward, two steps back. But in fact, as long as you're continually persevering in that process of seeking out his mercy, even imperfectly, you're, you're still stepping forward, like, I guess, in faith and just continually progressing. Um, but just, just real quick, to, to the one thing you said, that one quote, um, who was it by again? Ignatius. Ignatius, like, act, act as if everything depends on you, praise if everything depends on God. I think that mentality is really pivotal um, in allowing us to bridge the gap between uh, where we are in the present and where we want to be in the future. So I think with um, discerning our vocation, it's really tempting, at least for me, uh, to look kind of far off into the future, like, mm-hmm. oh, one day I won't either want to be you know, a great father or uh, you know, a great priest. But it's really important that we kind of bridge that gap and realize that the only way we're going to get there is moment by moment in, in the present. And I think the, the way to do that is, what was I going to say? Just, uh, I, I guess just we, we don't have control over what we're going to be in the future, except if we're doing the right thing, kind of act, praying as if everything depends on God and acting as if everything depends on us in the present moment. Dude, I just want to acknowledge right now the Holy Spirit because, like, I wanted us to start talking about living in the present moment. So, like, really? that was fantastic. So, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, Chris, uh, how, how does one better center themselves in the present moment? Yeah. <clears throat> um. The present moment is, it's like almost sacramental. Um, I read a book a couple years ago um, called Abandonment to Divine Providence by oh, Jean-Pierre de Cassade. That book and wrecks me. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, it's it's really dense and, but, but would highly recommend. Um, <clears throat> every grace that the Lord is desiring infinitely to give you is, is in the present moment. There's nothing... Uh, in the past, there's nothing in the future. And that doesn't mean that you can't do any recollection, that you can't do any um, planning or anything like that. But uh, I think prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament is a really centering thing to do. Um, And and to to try to remind yourself or allow the Holy Spirit to remind you, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. I find uh, in my holy hours when I'm, uh, what, what common pitfalls I find are, usually thinking about what's next, uh, mm-hmm. which often sometimes can be a meal or, or something like that. Like yeah. just silly little things that I'm just like throughout the day or what, what do I have to do for this class or that or whatever. Um, but the Holy Spirit has to remind me, you've chosen to take an hour right now out of your day 
for me to flood you with peace. And if you want to be outside of that, you can. Mm-hmm. You're like, I allow you. But if you want, and I want this for you, you can remain right here and I can give you all the peace that I desire to wow. give you right now That's powerful. for you to to continue to discern your vocation, for you to continue to be one with me and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, yeah, uh, adoration, both in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Monstrance, but but honestly, highly underrated um, adoration of our Lord in the Tabernacle. Too. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, and uh, just the present moment, uh, people have probably heard me say this all the time. Uh, the Screw Tape Letters is like one of my favorite books of all time. But in it, uh, C.S. Lewis, through uh, a demon, uh, says that one of their best weapons is to keep the person out of the present. So if they're stuck in the past, that's okay. He said that can be sometimes dangerous because then they remember what God has done for them. But if you can keep them past in regret and shame, that's good. But the best thing to do is keep them in the future. The best thing to do from the devil's perspective. Defer's perspective, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is So Satan's one of his greatest temptations is to keep us stuck in the future because uh, it is undetermined yet. Uh, it is still in God's providence, but we don't know what's about to happen. We don't know what's mm-hmm. going to. So if we're stuck in there, we'll anxiety, uh, uncertainty, doubt, all these things. And he says it's because the future is least like reality, but that the present moment is where eternity touches reality. Wow. And that's where we they don't want us. Mm-hmm. So if we are given an opportunity, certainly prayer is the best way in order to center ourselves. But I would encourage, you know, if you don't have easy access to go to a tabernacle, um, silence, at least, creating an environment of silence is a fantastic way to live in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Silence your phone. Silencing your mind is the hardest thing, absolutely. But I was just, I've been encouraged a lot to just remind yourself, like, I'm here for Jesus. Like you were saying, Chris, like the Holy Spirit is like, what are you here for? Um, And like, why did I choose to take this time away? Because I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I'll listen to you. I want to listen to you and not to all the noise, mm-hmm. all the noise, noise, noise. And that's, again, screw tape says, and what Satan wants, he says, we don't want to give them sound because sound can still have meaning. Noise is meaningless. Mm-hmm. And if we can fill them with noise, that distracts them. Right. <clears throat> exactly. It's, it's, it's a huge thing that the devil tries to do, get us to focus on is, yeah, noise the, the future and the past, but I think it's just really important as you guys have been pushing home the point of the importance of the present moment that you can only truly act in the present moment. You can only yeah. listen to God in the present moment. So I really, that's the, the only point at which you can really grow in holiness is in the present moment. And I, I think that's why it's so important in the uh, process of vocational discernment is that we often talk nowadays in the Catholic church of um, your universal call to holiness that basically no matter who you are, whether you're supposed to be a spouse or a priest or anybody, you are universally called to be holy. And you're, yeah. you're called to be a saint no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to recognize that uh, that universal call to holiness is not going to differ or be opposed to your particular call, be it towards priesthood or towards being a spouse, but it's going to be in harmony with it. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing the right things right now in the present moment, just trying to follow your universal call to holiness, even if you don't know whether you're supposed to be a priest or not, or whether you're supposed to be married or not, if you're living out your universal call to holiness and and trying to pray, trying to do God's will, trying to follow the commandments in the present moment, that's going to naturally lead into you following your vocation and doing it in the best way possible. And when it comes, you'll be disposed to both hear it and act upon it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. A lot of this, what you guys are referencing, reminds me of, and we were talking about this in the car, uh, Father Afanugo's class. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I was prepping for one particular question, so I was hoping yeah. he would ask it. Uh, but anyway, but uh, habits are, are huge. And I think that's uh, a, a large part of what we're talking about, doing the right thing again and again yeah. and again. And so habits or, or virtues even are, and it was defined this way in our book, are the residue of past actions. That will uh, that will kind of lead us toward making future decisions of a similar moral character, hmm. and so uh, yeah, if I could encourage anybody, it would be to uh, to continue to pray. If if you if you stop praying, you probably will stop living. You know. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Saint Teresa of Avila says prayer is not a means to God; it is the means to God. Right. The relationship with Him that is. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, if um, you're young and still trying to discern your vocation, or if you're older and you think, oh, well, you know, I've been in my vocation for a long time, the Lord still has more to show you in it. Um, that just because I will be professing solemn vows in a little over a month um, does not mean that once I do that, I'm like, we're great. Like, my, I, my vocation is set and we're good. Or Locked when in. Chris and I are ordained, mm-hmm. that, like, great, you're done. Um, that's his first stage, right. honestly. You've completed stage one of vocation. Congrats, level one. <laughs> yeah. Now now it's, okay, now that you know what you're doing, let me show you how you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, so that there's there's so much more to, to explore in vocation because God has never done calling us to something because he's always calling us to himself yeah. in a deeper way. Um, so just to encourage you, fundamentally of all things, to pray. Yeah. Um, and whatever good you desire to see in the world, begin to do that good. And I think through that, God will continue to show us uh, all how he desires to use us in the world. Yeah, no, I think that was a really good way of wrapping up. It's it's not a finished project when you you know, you know reach the, the conclusion of, okay, I'm supposed to be a priest or I'm supposed to get married. It's, it's a continual process. It's a continual progress towards heaven. And, you know, the, the way to keep up that progress is fundamentally through prayer yeah so well chris thank you for joining us thanks for having me appreciate it so thank you all uh, for listening um feel free to leave uh any comments below um on spotify or google or send us dm on instagram or facebook about what you liked about this episode maybe some questions you have more specifics about discernment um if you're interested in vocation what does that look like how do you even begin to to pray in general, because sometimes that can be scary and hard. So mm-hmm. if you have any of those questions, uh, please let us know. And if you would be so kind as to like, subscribe, and do all that jazz, uh, I don't want to bait. Do but, all the things the influencers tell you to do. Exactly. <laughs> you know, all the other channels of podcasts you listen to. Smash that like Smash button. Smash that like button, Destroy guys. Destroy it. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, I, we don't want to be, you know, we're not looking for ego strokes here, but to get more people to hear, yeah. right? To get the algorithm on our That's side. Right. Exactly. We're not looking for ego strokes, but we are looking for prayers, so feel free to pray for us. Thank also. you. Super true. Yeah. Super true. Awesome. And ego strokes would be nice, too. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. That's that's the college student for you. So, All right. Well, thank you all again. Um, continue to uh, stay close to the Lord and know of all our prayers for you. Yeah. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace. God bless. <laughs>